Hey, thanks for joining us here at the Vineyard Church Podcast. For more video messages and content, make sure to visit our website, vineyardwheeling.com, or download our app. There's a lot of great resources there that are free and will help you grow closer to God and help you connect with the church. Right now, let's go to our lead pastor, Chris Figueretti, for this week's message. Well, good morning. Happy Thanksgiving, Merry Christmas, Black Friday, all that. Really good to see you. Glad you guys are here. Hey, if you're joining us this week and it's been a while since you've been here, uh, a couple weeks ago we did a sermon called Be the Blessing. Uh, And what we do in November is we focus on being the blessing and generosity and uh, towards our community. And the idea is not just to be kind and generous for a, you know, a, a month or two, but really kind of get that moving in our lives. And what we do is we invite everybody to participate in four different things. And the first thing that we did was a special offering that we use to be the blessing in the community. We have seven community partners that we work with. Our goal was to raise $25,000, and as of now, we're up over $70,000, so way to go, Vineyard. You guys are outrageously generous, so fun, and that's going to enable us to do all kinds of fantastic things around our community all year long, and uh, I think it's just going to have a huge impact, so thank you so much for your amazing generosity and way to get things rolling as far as that's concerned. You just saw the video for Operation Christmas Child, 7,016 shoeboxes came through our warehouse and our folks uh, worked hard at getting all that processed and those boxes are on their way to remote parts of the earth where they're going to be uh, taken on horseback and camelback and everywhere else, all out to uh, remote villages where kids might be hearing about Jesus for the first time. So way to go with that. Um, We've got volunteer opportunities coming up here this weekend coming. If you've not signed up to volunteer, you can do that on the app or on our website under Be the Blessing. You go there. If you've not signed up, uh, sign up. There's still opportunities to serve and uh, encourage you to do that. That's one of the generosity plays that we uh, we're encouraging people to do. And the last one is our food drive. We do a stuff the truck for the House of the Carpenter, which is over on Wheeling Island, and uh, they are in need of food for their food pantry. And uh, this is our neighborhood food pantry, and uh, we want to double stuff the truck. So we'll be at Respects next weekend. We have people all volunteered to do that. Uh, But then we ask everybody who's a part of our church to bring in some food as well. So on your way out today, you will get a bag that looks like this. It's got a list there. Bring that stuff. You can fill the bag. You can bring two bags. You can bring boxes. We'll have a box truck out front next weekend. And when you bring your food in, just drop it off there and we'll drop off. I mean, we've given over 20,000 pounds of food over the last couple of years and we'll give some more this year. And uh, it's another way to be the blessing and be generous. And thank you guys for being uh, just the greatest, greatest people on the planet. It's such a privilege to be your pastor and, and to, uh, to get to reach our community together. So way to go, Vineyard. All right. Well, we are in a series called No Longer a Slave, talking about fear and anxiety. Uh, last week talked about the fact that this is on the rise in our culture. It, it, it seems to be growing and spreading this uh, kind of underlying anxiety. I, my wife sent me this really cool meme this week. It says, trading, uh, it's almost time to switch from my everyday anxiety to my fancy Christmas anxiety. Anybody relate to that? Um, yeah, I mean, with all the pressure of the holiday coming up. But it, no, in, in all seriousness, this is something that, that is 
widespread across our culture. There just seems to be this anxiety that, that, uh, that is growing. And we talked last week about the fact that God didn't give us a spirit of fear or an attitude of fear, but he gave us his Holy Spirit. And his Holy Spirit gives us power. He, gives, he pours his love into our hearts and he gives us a sound mind. And we looked at um, Philippians chapter 4 uh, where Paul talks about uh, rejoicing always in God, uh, choosing to worship him even when it's hard, how, how we are to forgive everyone always. We're supposed to remember that God is with us because a lot of times when we get sideways with anxiety, we forget that God is with us. We're supposed to bring our requests and our prayers to him and bring our anxiety to him and give it to him in prayer with thanksgiving and developing that attitude of gratitude. All of those things are powerful. And in fact, if you missed last week's message, I would really encourage you to go online and catch it because it's, it, the, this whole series kind of builds uh, and it's a, I, I think it will help you if you're dealing with this, this topic. But um, the promise at the end of that passage in Philippians is, is that the peace of God, this miraculous peace that transcends understanding and defies logic, guards our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. And we talked about how there's a spiritual dynamic to, to fear and, and uh, like a heart level thing, and there's a mind level part of it. And what I want to focus on this week is the mind. And I'm going to take us to a passage that I, I don't know that we usually go to when we're talking about fear, but I think it applies absolutely. Uh, and it's Romans 12.2. The Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Rome. Again, they are dealing with persecution and all kinds of reasons to be fearful. And these are the words that he writes. He says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Let me pray for us real quick before we dive in. Lord Jesus, would you uh, just fill our hearts and our minds with your words. Lord, I pray that you would speak to each person within the sound of my voice, whether they're watching online or sitting here in, in the theater, Lord, that you would speak to us, that you would help each one of us take our next step with you, whatever that would be. And for those who are dealing with anxiety and fear, Lord, I pray that, that uh, they would just find what they're looking for, the pathway out of that as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, like I said, this isn't usually a passage we go to when we're dealing with fear and anxiety, but I think it totally applies because it, 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 it deals with the mind part of this. And the mind part of it is a big deal. Um, and it, it talks about, and then you'll know what God's uh, will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And there is, I can tell you from personal experience, and, and you can talk to anybody who follows Jesus, and when you know that you're in the will of God, there's a peace that comes. Even when things aren't going well, if you know this is where God wants me, there's a peace that's bigger than the circumstances that you're in. Uh, and, and so let's break this passage down and let's see what hopefully practically we can do with it to uh, walk out of fear because really that's what God invites us to do. God, is, God says over and over again in his word, fear not, fear not, don't be afraid, I'm with you. Don't be anxious about anything, but it's not an accusation of, oh, you're bad, you're, you're dealing with fear. It's an invitation of, of walking into relationship with him and walking out of that fear. 
and that anxiety. So what does he have to say about it? Well, the first thing that Paul says is stop doing what everyone else is doing. Stop doing what everyone else is doing. He says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. Now, guys, like it or not, most of us just go along with whatever is going on in the culture. We don't think about things before we, we just kind of engage. And, and, and that's not necessarily a good thing. Now, what Paul's not saying is everything that's going on in culture is bad. He's not saying that. He's saying we have to be discerning. We have to know what is good and what is not good. Not everything that comes to us uh, in, the, in our culture is some, a pattern that we should put into practice in our lives. But so for so many of us, we just do whatever the culture is doing. And that will lead us to some, uh, some bad practices. Now, I can't give you every pattern that's bad. We could be here for weeks or every pattern that's good, you know. You have to be discerning. And as you grow in your relationship with God and as you follow him, you'll learn and you'll mature and you'll be able to analyze. But here's the big thing. Question things. As a follower of Jesus, use your mind, listen to his spirit and question things and don't just accept everything as a good thing, right? And I'm going to give you a handful of things that you can, that are just examples to help kind of get you started as far as what are some patterns that we probably shouldn't be following. And these are things that we see in Jesus's day and the Apostle Paul's day. They're still at play today. They're patterns of this world. And the first one is this. It's materialism. Materialism. I want it, I want it, I want it, I want it. Right? This was an issue in Jesus' day. He talked more about materialism, what we do with stuff, than anything else, not because he wanted to get people's stuff or increase giving, but because he wanted people's hearts. Materialism was a problem. It was a problem for the religious leaders of his day that they were consumed with stuff and getting more stuff. And so Jesus talked a lot about this. It's the God of this age. And, and and, and what happens is very subtle, but we find ourselves wanting comfort, security, and pleasure. And we end up allowing stuff to usurp God to take first place in our life. And we kind of have God in our life, but he's in second place. And if we're looking to our stuff for security and comfort and pleasure, and that's where our hope is, and if I can get some more stuff, and then it has become God in your life. And that's basically what Jesus said. If, if there's one thing that will compete for the number one spot in your life, it's materialism, it's the stuff. And that was true in his day, and that's true in our day. Now, Jesus never gave us a prohibition against stuff. He never gave us a, a, a prohibition against against even being wealthy. I mean, he had wealthy followers and there was the, that wasn't the problem. The problem was what place does it take in your life? What is the priority? And what is the priority? Jesus said this, he said, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you as well. So all, what are all these things? Well, he's, ta he's teaching, he's doing a teaching about worry. And he's saying like clothes and, and food and shelter and these things, you worry about these things, you chase after these things. But really, if you just put God first, you don't have to worry about that stuff. God will take care of you. 
and the anxiety goes away. But here's the deal. When that stuff, when, when the pursuit of stuff is number one in our lives, you will always deal with anxiety because you can never get enough stuff. There's millionaires and billionaires who deal with fear surrounding stuff because you can never, it's just a little bit more, never get quite enough. Jesus knew this and he knew that it would steal our peace. In Matthew 6, 31, he says, so do not worry saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Materialism is a pattern of this world that will steal your peace. It will. And it's one that we probably shouldn't conform to. In fact, I would say don't conform to that one. The next one I have as an example is sexual immorality. Now, in their day, uh, paganism was the religion of the Roman Empire. They had temples all over the Roman Empire that had temple prostitutes. And they all kinds of pagan sexual rites and, and, and just kind of gross stuff that they did. It was part of their culture. It was the pattern of this world. Now, today we don't have, we don't have temples. But the mantra of our day is I can do what I want with who I want, when I want, where I want, as long as it's consensual and nobody gets hurt. It's the same pattern just expressing itself a little bit differently. But the pattern that God lays out for us is very clear. God, you got to understand, God is in favor of sex. He invented sex. He's not surprised by it, right? God has even seen you naked, just saying. All right, so this is not like shocking to him, but he designed it to be expressed in a very specific way context a committed married relationship between a man and a woman and what we know scientifically is what happens when we engage in sexual activity is there is a cocktail of hormones and and chemicals that are released in your body that are so powerful and bonding they they bond you to the other person at a level that is we're still getting our heads around and so when we're casual with that, when we're, you know, whatever, wherever, whenever, it, it chips away at, at, at our soul. I mean, it makes intimacy difficult later. It's, it creates real problems for us, and it will ultimately steal your peace. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 6, 18 says this. He says, flee from sexual immorality. Don't just walk away. Run. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Now, sin is sin, and God forgives, will forgive our sin if we are genuinely repentant and we're walking away from it and, and we're sorry and, and all of that. And in that regard, this kind of sin isn't any worse than this kind of sin. But what Paul is saying is there is another consequence to this one. This one impacts you. It impacts the other person in ways that other sin doesn't quite do. Run from it. 
This is a pattern of our world that I've seen so many Christians just accept and go along with. You know, I was married before and so kind of opened the door to sexual expression in my life. And I'm not married now, but we're just going to keep going with that. Or, you know, everybody else is doing it and it's so hard. So we're just kind of, we're going to, and, and there's a financial benefit to living together. And so we're just going to justify that and keep moving on. Paul says, flee from that. It's worth it. It's a pattern of this world that will steal your peace. And it has consequences. Another pattern we see in our world that we've seen in the history of humanity is self-promotion. Look at me, look at me, look at how good I am. Jesus addresses the religious leaders because they're out in the streets doing, uh, giving money to poor people and saying, look how much money I'm giving to this poor person. They're praying on the streets corners going, oh, look how holy I am, look at me. Now we think of social media, but this has been going on for 2,000 years. Social media just enables us to connect with all of our friends and show them how good we are. We can increase our reach. Self-promotion, it's a human problem. It's a pattern of this world. It's been going on forever. Jesus in Matthew 6 verse 2 says, So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honored by others. Truly I tell you, they've received their reward in full. And Jesus is addressing this self-promotional pattern, this self-promotional culture among the religious leaders. Now Jesus also said to let your light shine before people, to not hide your light under a bowl, but put it out on a stand and let people see your good deeds that they might give glory to your Father in heaven. So he's not prohibiting Letting our, letting our good deeds be seen or any of those things. It's just for God's glory. It's not for mine. It's not about look at me. It's about look at him. There's a difference in that self-promotional culture. Again, if you're consumed with how good you look and whether, you're, you know, whether your picture's good, and all, it's going to steal your peace. It's where a lot of anxiety these days is coming from. It will make you neurotic after a while. And I think its, it's cousin is, uh, is a, another pattern of this world, which is just the comparison culture. Not look at me, but I'm going to look at everybody else. And again, we think of social media, but guys, this has been going on since people have been people. We, it, we used to be called keeping up with the Joneses. We, we just look around and we see everybody. And guess what? Everybody else is faking it. Everybody else is putting their very best forward. That's all you're seeing. And you're comparing your life to theirs or your business to theirs or your thing to theirs. And you're like, oh, you know, and we get so wrapped up in the fact that we're not as good. As, and, and it's all a lie anyway. It's all just the highlight reel. Keeping up with the Joneses will make you nuts. It'll steal your peace. Comparison is the enemy of contentment. And when we get consumed with others, our eyes aren't on God, are they? They're on others. And it'll jack you up in here. It's one of the patterns of this world. So Paul says, don't conform to the pattern of this world. Don't do what everybody else is doing. Live differently. Now, those aren't all the patterns of this world. There are more. And you're going to have to, as you grow and mature and walk with Jesus, figure out what those are. But my encouragement to you is walk discerningly. Don't just 
half-heartedly or, or without thinking, just adopt everything that comes down the pike. Is this something that God would have me do or not? He goes on, he says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How you think will determine who you become. How you think will determine who you become. This is just true. And so how you think becomes very important. If you think like the world, you'll act like the world. But Paul says to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. So what does transformed mean? Well, this is a powerful word. The, the New Testament was originally written in, in Greek, and the word for transform there is metamorpho. Metamorpho is where we get the word metamorphosis. Familiar word? All right, it's what happens to a caterpillar when it goes into a cocoon and comes out on the other side as a butterfly. It's a completely different creature. It's a transformation. And what Paul is saying is that our lives are transformed absolutely by the presence and power of God's spirit working within us, but also we have a part to play in that by the renewing of our mind. And he will help us renew our mind, but we have to cooperate with him in that. So what is this renewing of our mind? How does it work? How is this powerful principle, this life-changing, life-transforming principle engaged in? How do we begin to think differently? Well, I, I, I think there's two things here. One is just patterns of thought. Patterns of thought. We talked last week about the anxiety issue and how it's a, it's a cycle that gets going in our brain and we get this cycle of anxiety going. We think about the same things over and over again and it's, it becomes obsessive and you have to break that cycle. And so last week I said four times a day, stop and pray. Four times a day, stop and just break the cycle in your, in, in your thinking. Now, if, if you're going, dealing with that ongoing, stop whenever you need to stop and pray. Break the cycle on purpose. And I, I, last week I shared five things. Worship, forgive, remind yourself that God is with you. Pray and develop an attitude of, of gratitude, an attitude of thanksgiving. And if you stop four times a day and do those five things, it just takes a couple minutes, but it stops the cycle. And anytime you need to, two o'clock in the morning, stop and do those those five things, it's powerful. And over time, what will begin to happen is your pattern of thinking will change. So renewing our minds, changing our pattern of thinking. But it's also what we think about. And guys, we think about what we consume. We think about what we consume. Now, the Nielsen Company, who does all the research on media consumption in our country, their most recent... Uh, sir, their most recent research uh, came up with this. U.S. adults, this is not teenagers, this is adults. U.S. adults are spending more than 11 hours a day on average or about two-thirds of their waking time consuming media in some form. 11 hours. Do you people work? No, I'm just kidding. I know you do. But 11 hours, because some of it's at work, right? Some of it's stuff that we're doing for work, but we're consuming all of this media. Now, I think we live in one of the most exciting times in history. I mean, we've got instant access to information that 
all information pretty much. I mean, it's, it's amazing. And, and the technological advancements that we're seeing in, in medicine and other places, it's just an amazing time to be alive. And at the same time, it's concerning because of what we're consuming. And what you consume will shape the way you see the world. You know, a lot of that media consumption comes from the internet. And a lot of what comes across the internet is quite simply pornography. The Huffington Post wrote, uh, wrote an article and it said this. This is the title of the article. Porn sites get more visitors each month than Netflix, Amazon, and Twitter combined. And it goes on to say that internet is for porn. We all know that. But until now, we may not have realized to what extent porn dominated the internet. In fact, 30% of all data transferred across the internet is porn. That's staggering, guys. Columbia University recently did a study. They found out that 87% of men between the ages of 18 and 35, so that's 9 out of 10 men between the ages of 18 and 35, are viewing porn on a weekly basis. And ladies, you're not off the hook. 28.5% of women, so 3 out of 10 women, are doing the same. And pornography is not a pattern you want to be, fall into. The, the, the psychological research, the neurological research is devastating. It burns neuropathways deep into your mind. It's unbelievably addictive. It is the reason that the, the number one and fastest growing user group of ED medication is men between the ages of 18 and 35 because they're burning out that part of their brain. It hurts other people, people in that industry. It hurts the people, the, the person you'll eventually spend your life with. It's incredibly painful. What are we consuming? Hate to break it to you, but if you watch or ingest media that has a political bias one way or the other, it is probably you're probably ingesting some fake news and some fear news. I mean, my goodness, the Weather Channel is fear news, right? I mean, a, a big storm coming across the country. Everybody hide under their couch. <laughs> and make sure you tune into the Weather Channel, right? We'll name the storm, and so you can have to tune in and click often. Be amazed at how much peace might come your way if you just turn, turn the media off a little bit. And then we spend who knows how many hours watching meaningless stuff. Did you know there are 2 million cat videos on YouTube? And uh, over 25 billion clicks on those, those cat videos. Uh, I did a little research just for your enjoyment. Let's take a look. watching cat videos. I laughed out loud when I was watching this. Um, nothing wrong with that. What, 11 hours? Really? I mean, come on. 
And so if we're consuming meaningless stuff and that's kind of our diet or we're fake news, fear news, pornography, immoral stuff, whatever, the guys, that's what you're going to be thinking about. That's what's going to shape your worldview, right? So what we watch matters. And the sheer volume of what we're watching, I believe, has an impact. Our brains were not designed to consume 11 hours of media a day. Not, our brains were designed to need rest. Everybody's like, I'm tired, I'm exhausted, I'm, you know, whatever. Well, this, the researchers are telling us it's, some of that has to do with the sheer volume of, of, of media we're ingesting. We're not allowing our brains to recover. So curbing our consumption pattern may be one of those things that we need to, to look at and go, you know what, that's a pattern of this world. I'm always on my phone. I'm always on my phone. Or always, you know, I always have a screen on. Maybe we set limits. You know, there's a thing on your phone called screen time limits, and you can actually limit yourself to an appropriate amount of input. Consider it. Might be a pattern you want to you see or you want to you engage in. Now, here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that you have to stop watching cat videos. I'm not, well, other than the cats are evil. Oh wait, I, I like picking fights with cat people, I'm sorry. I should have brought a picture of my, my dog Gus, but I didn't. Anyway, see I've lost all the cat people for the rest of this sermon, I'm so sorry. Cats are wonderful. So, I'm not saying that we can't watch the news. I'm not saying that we can't do any of those. How much are we watching? What are we taking? Obviously porn off limits, right? I mean, there, there, are, there are things that we should not be consuming. You need to be discerning about that. Is that a pattern in this world? You need, yeah, well, then figure that out. But what I am saying is that if you are not allowing God's word and intentionally ingesting God's word on a regular basis and allowing that to inform your worldview and allowing that to transform and renew your mind, you're just gonna go along with everybody else. You're just gonna do what everybody else is doing because that's what you're, you're ingesting. So third point, let God's word renew your mind. Let God's word renew your mind. And I'm gonna give you four Simple, easy things that you can do today, starting today, that will intentionalize this in your life. And this is not overwhelming. None of it is. The first one's this. Read the Bible daily. Read the Bible daily. You don't have to like read chapters and chapters. Read one chapter a day. And in fact, if you shoot for seven days a week, say every day I'm just going to read a little bit. A chapter is the perfect length. It's not too much. You don't get lost, but it's just the right amount. And I'm going to read seven, seven chapters a week, a chapter a day. And you get five, that's a win. We're not going for perfection. We're going for connection with God. And we're layering his word into our life on a regular basis. We're stopping. That is a pattern to build into your life. Read God's word every day. Now, people always ask, where do I start and how do I do that? And I encourage you, do not start in Genesis and read straight through. You'll get stuck in Leviticus or Deuteronomy and just don't do that. Start in the book of James. 
Start in the book of James. It's five chapters, so you get through one week, you got to win. I read a whole book of the Bible. Woohoo! Read James. All right, that's good. Then go to John. And I've got a plan in your, in your notes that's in your program there that'll get you through about six months if you want to start today and just read a chapter a day and layer God's word into your life. With all the other consumption we have going on, if we're not intentional about this, that gets crowded out and we allow the other things to inform our thinking. Secondly, worship weekly. There is something powerful that happens when we get together with the people of God and worship him and dive into his word together. And we allow his word and the teaching of his word, again, to renew our minds. It's powerful. There's something unique that happens in this environment, in the, the corporate worship environment. Now, the pattern of this wor world is moving further and further away from corporate worship. It, 30 years ago, the average, uh, per, average Christian would attend church twice a week, go once on Sunday morning, then maybe Sunday night or Wednesday night or midweek Bible study or something along those lines. Today, the average Christian in America attends church one and a half times a month. We've gone from twice a week to one and a half times a month in a very short period of time. It's a pattern of this world. The writer of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 says this, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. I'm telling you, if you chapter a day, read a chapter a day and prioritize worship on Sunday, this is a weekly pattern that God gives us in his word. We call it the Sabbath. It's the day that we worship God and it's part of building God's word into our lives. Third, engage with others around God's word regularly. When I was in college, most of my classes were read this, go to this lecture, memorize this stuff. Can anybody relate? Just memorize all this stuff, regurgitate it back on a test, and then forget it. I don't know what I paid all that money for because I forgot most of it. But I had one teacher, his name was Jasper Hunt. Jasper Hunt, yes. And you would have pictured this man with a pipe and a beard and, you know, kind of corduroy patches on his, it wasn't like that at all. He was a young guy, but he was different than all my other professors. And we would get to class and the chairs would be in a circle and he would have had us read some, some really dense material. And then we would sit down in a circle with our class and we would talk about the material and how it applied to whatever it was we were learning. And we would, we would talk, it, and I would make a connection, and, and then somebody on the other side of the room would go, yeah, but what about this? And how that's, and you know what? That's the stuff I remember. It like made it into me somehow. Guys, we do this regularly, 27 weeks a year in life groups. And in fact, what happens is we talk about a topic here on the weekend, you get the notes, you can study that throughout the week, you get together with your life group and you start making connections and they start making connections and you see something from their perspective and all of a sudden it starts to become a part of you and it shapes the way you see the world. It's a renewing of your mind. This is a powerful principle. Engage with others around God's word regularly. It's why we keep talking about life groups. 
because it gets really real. It gets really deep into us when we get in environments like that. The fourth thing is this, memorize God's word monthly. Now, this isn't a scriptural principle. Uh, There's nothing in the word that says every month you have to memorize one scripture. But this is a powerful principle. Memorizing God's word doesn't have to be huge, big parts of it. It can be just a verse or maybe a couple verses. But memorizing God's word enables us to think deeply about it. It enables us to kind of meditate on it. And, 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 and to spend time with it. It enables us to get it into our hearts. The scripture talks about writing God's word on our hearts. This is how we do that. And then when we find ourselves in a, in a situation, we can call up that scripture and apply it. Right? So if I'm dealing with anxiety, I can call up Philippians 4, 4 through 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That's powerful. That shapes the way you think. That's the renewing of your mind. Now you think, well, just once a month, is that really enough? Well, in 12 months, you will have memorized 12 scriptures. That's, that's powerful stuff. In 10 years, you have 120 scriptures memorized. It, it transforms the way you think. It will transform your life. And now you can write, write it down on note cards. You can take picture of it with your phone and pull that up and just read it every day and within a couple of days you're going to have most scripture passages memorized and it will become a deeper part of who you are it's part of the renewing of your mind so four things right read the word every day worship weekly gather around the word with others regularly and memorize God's word monthly And what will begin to happen is the renewing of your mind. And as your mind is renewed by God's word, your life is metamorphosized into something completely different. Guys, in order to live differently, we have to begin to think differently than the world around us. Jesus came to set us free from the prison of our own thinking in a lot of ways, from the prison of our sin, but, but he came to set us free. And he said, the truth will set you free. And not just hearing the truth every once in a while, but getting it into you, letting it renew your mind, shape the way you see the world, knowing it in here. The truth will set you free. And guys, that's what we're talking about in this series. We're talking about freedom. Talking about freedom. Romans 12, 2, the, the end, Paul says, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. If you know the word of God, as you're getting that into you, you're going to see where God is leading you. You're going to know the will of God. It's hard to discern what the will of God is when you're all jacked up up here. But as you do, there is a peace that comes. There is a freedom that comes in the middle of God's will. It's not a puzzle. It's a transformation. And it's one that God offers us, offers to every one of us 
And yes, it's a heart thing. Yes, it's a Holy Spirit thing. I hope that you are regularly inviting the Holy Spirit to fill you and empower you and pour his love into you and all of those things. But it's a mind thing too. And that's where we get to cooperate with the Spirit of God in transforming the way that we think according to his word. And that will transform your life and it will bring freedom to your soul. Now, I know that there are some people here who are thinking, that's pretty simplistic, Chris. You know, I mean, what about, what about medication and all that? Isn't there a place for medication and all of this? And, um, and I would tell you, absolutely there is. There's no shame in taking medication for anxiety and depression. Uh, and for some of us, absolutely need it because you're spinning so you're all spun out and you can't slow down your mind long enough to do the deep work that we're talking about here. All right, but the problem is, is that as a culture, and this is a pattern of this world, we just want to take a pill and make it go away. And the pill will make the spinning stop a little bit. It'll buy you some headspace, but it doesn't deal with the underlying issues. This does. So if you need to go see your doctor, go see your doctor. I, there's no shame in that. There's nothing wrong with that. And some of us do. But I would suggest that most of us need to do this work. Need to lean in in this way. Does that make sense? Good. Now, there are some of us here. You're here because she brought you or you're here because he brought you, or you're here because you heard we were doing a series on fear, and that kind of applies to you. But you don't know what you believe about Jesus and the Bible and all of that. And I want you to know I'm so excited that you're here, and I want you to keep coming back. Because if you keep coming back, if you keep looking, you're going to find what you're looking for. You will. You're on the right track. But there's some of you that you're like, I, I, I'm ready to take a next step. And, 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 and I want to invite you to do that too. Because Jesus came to earth to set you free. He came to earth to die on a cross for you because the payment for your sin was death. And he knew you couldn't survive it, so he paid it himself. And he invites you to place your faith in him, to choose to become a follower of his, and as you do, all that sin and shame and guilt is washed away, and you get a brand new start, spiritually speaking. And it is the first step on the journey out of anxiety and fear. And maybe, just maybe, there's one or two of us who are ready to take that step. And so let me encourage you to just say a prayer in your mind right now. Just say, if you're ready to take that step of faith, say, Jesus, I believe I believe you came after me. I believe that you died on the cross for me, and I want to be a follower of yours. And if you do that, if you do that, if you pray that prayer, tell somebody. Mark it on your Connect card. Let us know. Stop back at the prayer areas. Tell somebody. Or if somebody brought you, tell them. But share it with somebody. And it is the first step on your road to freedom. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for uh, coming after us. Thank you, Jesus, that you came to bring us freedom. And I pray that blessing of freedom over every person within the sound of my voice.
Lord, would you empower us by your spirit to become all you've created us to be? And would you set every one of us free from fear and anxiety? In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for joining us here at The Vineyard. It's our greatest desire to see you find and follow God, and we hope that this podcast has helped you do just that. In addition to these podcasts, please come visit us live at the Capitol Theater in downtown Wheeling, Sunday mornings at 9.30 and 11.15, and experience these encouraging messages, some incredible music, and so much more in person. We would love to meet you. Again, thanks for joining us this week. We'll see you next time.